the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the weekend college basketball betting recap and early week preview. I'm Stucky and joining me, as always, are my guys Mike Calabrese and Greg Waddell. Got a lot to get to, gentlemen. We will talk a little... We'll talk. The card's not great tonight, but we'll talk a little Monday, Tuesday night hoops. We will recap the weekend. If there's any rants, I know I, know I have one waiting. We'll get to those, and then we'll talk a little buy, sell, Big 12. A lot of hot takes out there. Is the Big 12 as good as people say? Where's Kansas? I'm curious to your guys' thoughts on that after a loss at West Virginia. But let's start with uh, just a a quick recap of what you saw this weekend. You can take this any which way you want. Greg, I'll throw it to you first. What's going on, brother? And congrats to your lines, by the way. Thank you, man. Vibes are good in the Waddell household these days. They're good for at least six more nights, and then I'm ready for my imminent doom. That's how I feel right now. Uh, two All things that matters that I... is you're still alive. Just, yeah. keep, just keep advancing. Survive and advance. Keep breathing, baby. Uh, this weekend in college basketball, there was a storyline that I found myself gravitating toward with a couple different teams that was a common thread, and it's teams that I've liked this season got really key pieces back that might completely change their ceiling. Illinois is the obvious one. Taron Shannon Jr.'s return, he was reinstated on Friday. That was a big-time surprise. A lot of people did not expect him to play again this season with the pending rape charge. Obviously, people feel very differently about that, and we don't need to talk about the politics of that and the situation. It's a scary situation. With that said, he's one of the best basketball. Kind of weird, but uh, we won't go there. It was weird, man. It was weird. And I think Illinois fans know it was weird, but here we are. They're going to get torched on the road everywhere they go in the rest of Big Ten play. Uh, With that said, he's one of the best three players in the country. Like this kid's a monster. And you saw at the moment he stepped back on the court, it was like electric transition. He had two alley-oop assists to Coleman Hawkins in the first minute that he was on the floor. Uh, I really liked this Illinois team. I was buying them without Shannon because I thought guys like Marcus Damask took step forwards. Quincy Gary had a double-double last night. And I think in the short time he was away from the team, you saw some of those guys blossom into better players that are a lot more confident where now you've got guys playing fourth option roles on Illinois that are capable of being second option roles without Shannon. Uh, This is a dangerous team to me. This is a team that could make a final four kind of dispel some of the Brad Underwood in March narratives that are out there. And uh, I was really impressed with their return because it would have been easy to kind of hit a bump in the road and have a, a, a day where vibes were a little off. You're bringing your best player off the bench. They didn't really do that. They smoked Rutgers by 23 at home. And then the other team that brought a guy back, different situation, obviously, but Wake Forest is a team that I've really believed in offensively this year in the ACC. They got Damari Monsanto back, who was one of the most elite shooters in the country last year. This yep. kid comes off the bench. He shoots six threes in 11 minutes and makes four of them. Like, I just love the archetype of the green light guy. Uh, everybody on Wake Forest can shoot. They're 13 and five, five and two in ACC play. And uh, I think this could be the year Steve Forbes team finally gets to the NCAA tournament and Monsanto will be a big part of it. 
yeah, he changes the complexion uh, and the ceiling of their offense. But, and I agree with you on Shannon. I don't. I haven't even looked. I didn't even look at the uh, if there was a change in the futures market. But I probably should have looked into it a little more. We won't get into the details of uh, his legal case and all of that. But with like the upside of him potentially returning, and you know, and Illinois was playing well even without him. Uh, but just having him, he's one of the best isolation players in the country. Like you, you just give him the ball one on one against elite defenses he's going to score he can you know just take over a game get you out of droughts he's that type of player that can kind of drag you through a game where everyone else isn't really hitting so yeah i agree illinois is very dangerous i would say you know and i agree with you on wake but the only team i can't beat i i, I should just give up i should just bet them to win the national title because they they cover every game they beat me every game is north carolina um I'm just gonna i should just bet them and they're gonna win it all uh <laughs> But I think they play Wake Forest coming up here. Uh, so I'll be interested to see that. But my rant before I throw it to you, Mike, is Maryland. Remember, this is a safe space. You know what pisses me off most of all? Okay, you're ranting now, baby. Yeah, I'm ranting. Why not? You gotta let it out somehow. I, I mean, look, their their defense was great in the second half. We all had to endure that horrendous half of basketball. But their defense was amazing. Jameer Young. I, I know he has to do so much because, I mean, there's half the guys on the roster just should be on the sidelines. They should be like three on five. That's what it looks like at times. But he had a horrendous final five minutes of that game. Turnovers. Couldn't even get his foot behind the line, which was the difference in the cover. Um, so, yeah, Maryland. Again, two teams that torture me. I bet on Maryland. Maryland doesn't cover. I bet against North Carolina, and they cover. So that's my rant for the weekend. Mike, uh, let me throw it to you. Well, first, Greg, you're triggering me with the UConn swag because, man, I haven't been a part of a bad beat like that in a minute, having UConn minus three and the half quarter, nothing but net, barely touched the net. Uh, on Look, look good from show. the release, to be honest. Yep, exactly. No money. I was like, exactly. that's, that's going right in. That was brutal. Um, I'm going to basically admit that I'm late to the Auburn party, and I'm now a believer in what they can bring to the table, at least in the SEC title race. This is my takeaway from the weekend. I'm really excited about Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky down the stretch, who's going to win the regular season title. When you look at Auburn, it's Broom, it's Williams in the front court. As a tandem, they're averaging 28, 14, and five stocks per game. And now Auburn is top 10 in offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. The only other team in the country that can claim that is Arizona. But my question here for Auburn, because I, I do think it's going to be Tennessee or Kentucky winning the SEC regular season title. But the question here is who emerges for the Tigers in that guard rotation? They have lots of guys who play, you know, around 20 minutes per game. Who's going to start to take on a little bit more of the scoring oomph when it gets into February, when it gets into March Madness? Because Holloway at times still plays like a freshman. You can't blame him. Baker Mazzara disappears completely. And then I, I asked, like, can Denver Jones be the guy that he was at FIU even for a night? Like, can he even just do that, like, once or twice a month and score 15 or 20 points? Because he hasn't. So that's my only question about Auburn. But I have to admit, I didn't see them being in this rarefied air at this point, And I think they deserve it. Um, very quickly on the rants, coaches on the floor. This is not so complicated. I, as someone who covers college football and college basketball, college football – the referees cannot wait to call the most ticky-tack shit, eject players, do replays, get them thrown out for the second half of the next game. College basketball, they're like, well, what can we do? You know, Archie Miller is only on the floor with his foot on the goddamn three-point line, playing transition defense, waving his arms around. It should be an auto-ejection, and it should be an automatic suspension for the next game. It's just not complicated at all. 
Basically, if both of your feet are on the floor in the, the court, the where they're playing the game during a possession and anyone comes into contact with you, auto ejection. This is like, I know it's funny and I, I laugh along with it, but I'm watching that Dane game and I'm like, what the fuck are these referees looking at? They, there can't be any excuse other than they're just letting the coaches get away with it. And the final piece of it is, like them throwing their arms up, whether it's Shaka Smart or Archie, like, do they really think that that helps? Like, if you're on the floor, you're like, oh, that's right. I need to be playing defense because my coach, you know, looks like a cartoon character. So that's my rant. I've, I've absolutely had it. And I'm just waiting for a game to actually be impacted or somebody to get hurt, trip over a coach. Like, I, I got to say, if I was a player and I'm in the corner, I'm waving my elbows around. I'd love to catch one of those guys in the face, be like, you're in my in my kitchen at this point. So it's on you. It's a good reminder that 90% of college coaches are ego-driven lunatics. Like, I, I I sometimes forget that. And this is the best use case of that in a long time for me. Well, but, but yeah, I mean, this is – I write about this all the time. In sports, we make rules – we are reactive when we make new rules instead of being proactive. So, look, like, look at the NFL, right? I've said for years we're going to – there's going to be a roughing the passer call that is so bad that like we'll cost the team a Super Bowl, and then we'll say, okay, we can review roughing the passer, right? There was the PI, and then we said, okay, you can review PI. Get in front of this rule. Like national title, a coach runs out, trips a kid, and then we just decide a national title because we don't have this rule in place. It is so simple to put a rule in place because the coach shouldn't be out in the three point line. Yes, you were at. It's crazy. Um, you know, you're you're all to get back to your Auburn take though, is yeah, and I think Pearl's done a tremendous job i had a huge future at a crazy price on them in 2019 and people forget they should have beat virginia there was the travel we won't get into that whole game it was four years ago sorry over five years i'm still not over but uh i just i don't know if i trust their guards enough to close out a game against an elite team um they're into discussion for sure and they're electric and when they are when they are hammering teams they they can hammer you but i don't know if I trust their guards to close out like an elite eight game against like UConn, for example, Greg, what what are your thoughts on uh, the Auburn backcourt and their ceiling? Yeah, I think I'm more on your side stuck. I, I will admit with Mike, I have been a huge Auburn skeptic and I'm willing to eat crow on that. They're clearly a good basketball team. They're clearly an NCAA tournament team. They're clearly a, a team that can make the second weekend or beyond of the NCAA tournament. With that said, I'm not going to believe this is like a final four contender unless Aiden Holloway is really, really playing well. And he hasn't been bad by any means. But a lot of single-digit scoring nights going back to the beginning of January or to the beginning of December from him. Really, it's been two months now where he just hasn't uh, been in stride offensively. He's a guy who takes a lot of tough shots. Thirty-five percent from three on the type of threes that he takes is honestly pretty good. Uh, give him credit; he's limited turnovers. But I, I, to me, he has to be like an every night. 12 to 15 points a game guy for me to really buy them offensively. And if you go through it, like give them credit for taking care of business. The only team that they've played that I'm confident will make the NCAA tournament. Texas A&M. Texas A&M right. It. And that's yeah. it. And, and that's going to change here very soon. So I'm willing to give it one more week, at least see what they do on the road against Alabama and Mississippi state before we give them their flowers. Yeah. I think that um, I agree with you. Auburn is, is much better than, I had anticipated, and they you do deserve to get credit for blowing teams out of the water as they've done, but they've had a very easy conference slate so far. And yeah, we'll learn a lot more about them over the next week. 
road games against Alabama, Mississippi State. We saw it with Alabama. Alabama was kind of in the same uh, position as Auburn. Hadn't really played no one in the SEC. The questions about their defense. They go to Tennessee and they give up, what, 91. So we'll learn a lot more about Auburn, but definitely way better than I had anticipated. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's shift to the Big 12, do a conference a week, and we do a little buy-sell. I'm curious to see if... Uh, which way Greg's going to play this game. Is he buying low, buying high? Uh, keeps us on our, on our toes. So I'll throw it to Greg first. Big 12, I do. buy, sell. Yeah, I, I do like to keep you guys on your toes. You know this now. We're a couple of weeks into this. Uh, I think I'm going to be a little by the book here this week. I'm going to start by selling Kansas State. I'm selling high with the Wildcats. Jerome Tang's team. Uh, I love Jerome Tang. I want to get that out of the way. I do think he's one of the best coaches in the country for any of these blue blood schools that might have an opening soon. He would be my first phone call. I think he has a, a really high ceiling for the next couple of decades in this sport. With that said, this particular team, I'm not a believer in. Uh, I'm not a believer in the individual pieces. I think Tyler Perry's been... All right. Uh, he's not Marquise Noel by any means. Arthur Kaluma, I I've had a joke for years. He's either the best bad college basketball player or the worst good college basketball player. I think he is officially good, but he's still very low on the scale of good college basketball players to me. Uh, I don't trust those guys to to run an offense against the best teams in the Big 12. And Who they right haven't now, played yet. They have the weakest conference strength of schedule so far. That's the thing. Here's the number on that stuck. Four of their five games thus far have come against teams outside the Ken Palm top 30. That's in conference play. Four of their final 13 games this season come against teams outside the Ken Palm top 30. So like we're going to have a rude awakening very soon. Give them credit for surviving. In fact, the fact that they have been surviving this season, they're five and zero in overtime games Unreal. is the most remarkable thing about them. But I think this is going to crash down uh, to earth very quickly. They're on the road twice this week, Iowa state and Houston. My strong expectation will be that they lose both of those games. They're going to be around 10 point dogs in both, if not more. Um, I think we're going to look at this team completely differently a week from now than we do right now. So I'm going to sell the wild cats. Uh, and then from a buy perspective, Baylor is the team I've narrowed in on. They lost two this week, both on the road, Kansas state in overtime. Like we said, Texas was the other one. Texas took a buzzer beater from Tyrese Hunter. He went coast to coast, give him credit, made a big play, but, um, you know, it kind of two games I would circle that you win the Kansas state game. If you just shoot anything better than five for 28 from three, that's what they shot. This is one of the best shooting teams in the country. Is it hard to shoot on the road? Yes. But if they don't have an aberration night, they probably win that game. And then they bounce back, shot 50% from three on the road against Texas. Texas played really well as well. Ray J. Dennis for Baylor, only two points on two shots in that game. That's the quietest performance that he's had all season. Kind of some outlier stuff there. I was actually pretty impressed with the way they grinded and played in both of those games. This is a team who's still undefeated at home. They've got the new arena. Uh, in my opinion, I think you can make an argument. Baylor has the best offense in the country. They are the best three-point shooting team in the country by percentage right now, 42% as a team. Uh, and kind of flip side of 
Kansas State, I think their schedule does open up some opportunities for them. They have road games against two of the worst teams in this conference coming up, UCF and West Virginia in the middle of February. A lot of their tough games on the schedule the rest of the season are at home. I think that bodes really well. So I'm going to scoop up Baylor. They're kind of going under the radar for me, three and two in that pack with Kansas and with Houston. If I'm picking one I believe in most, I'm going to take Scott Drew's Bears. Yeah, but Baylor's, Baylor's still – their defense still has major issues. I mean, and Texas too. I mean, you think – what two years ago these were two of the most elite defenses in the country they definitely have holes but i completely agree with you on kansas state i mean not only five and on overtime two of them were at what home against uh oral roberts in north alabama and then you mentioned the baylor shooting threes teams are shooting 25 percent from three against them and they go under screens. It's not like all, they care about stopping the three. So they've been extremely fortunate in close games, their schedule, three-point shooting against, and they turn the ball over incessantly. And who are they playing next? Houston and Iowa State. I don't know, what are they, one and two in forced turnover percentage? Like that is the, the last, those are the two last teams that you want to play when you can't take care of the ball. So I completely agree with you. I also think Oklahoma State will get them uh, – in Stillwater when they play again, I'll be looking for to fade them there as well. So that was the team I had circled as a sell spot. So I think Greg, uh, we're finally on the same page with selling, but let me throw it to Mike. Buy, uh, sell, yeah. big 12. All three of us on K-State. That was the obvious sell here. I, I just have a few stats to add in. There's three Cardinal sins from the Wildcats. They can't shoot. They're 260th in three-point shooting percentage, 190th in shooting percentage overall. They struggle in the defensive glass, 271st in defensive rebounding percentage, and they turn it over a ton. They're dead last in the Big 12, 339th nationally. One of those three things, two of those three things. They're turning over like a 23% rate in conference play. That's wild. Like, that's eventually going to bite you, and as soon as the competition gets a little stiffer, it's absolutely going to happen. And what's interesting is in terms of recency bias, yes, they're 4-1 and straight up in Big 12 play, 4-1 and against the spread. I'm hoping that creates some lucrative numbers to fade them in the next two weeks that the market isn't super sharp and immediately bounces back on them. For the buying team, though, I'm going to go TCU. They got close losses to Kansas by two on the road at Cincy by four, Iowa State by one. They beat Oklahoma. They beat Houston. And it's kind of like the you know inverse image of why I'm fading K-State, why I'm buying on TCU. They can really shoot. They're 24th in shooting percentage. They can defend. They're 63rd in opponent shooting efficiency. They're strong on the offensive glass, 16th in offensive rebounding percentage. And they force a ton of turnover, 16 per game. And the one thing, the one stat that this is true of the last few years for TCU, they're special in one category. They lead the nation in fast break points by a large margin, 22 points per game. Really, to me, it just comes down to them being able to get over the hump and get back into that, you know, four, five, six conversation in the Big 12. Can Jameer Nelson Jr. provide stability scoring from the point? He's been way too up and down this year. Lots of turnovers lately. But when you look at how he played last year at Delaware, his potential, I think he could turn it around. But that, to me, is the difference between a good team that makes the tournament and a team that gets the second weekend. It's all on Nelson Jr. Yeah, uh, I don't. They were, I, I got to give credit to TCU. I mean, look, they were playing Iowa State at home without Lipsy. You should win that game, but they were down 20 also and then cut it to one. What did they have, 30 turnovers in that game? Um, which was a little bizarre. I know Iowa State will turn you over, but um, I, I also, I'm just going to throw, just from a betting perspective, I, you know, I bet them on Saturday and it worked out. This is kind of the, by 
you know, even though I'm selling Kansas State and buying, I think I'm going to buy Oklahoma State. Just did that in this game on Saturday. But I think Oklahoma State will have, just as a dog, I think the lines will be just a little bit, a little bit inflated. So I think that there's opportunities maybe against TCU. Um, I want to see where the market goes. They've had a tough schedule. Um, they're a little better shooting team than what they've shot recently. They can still defend the rim. So when you play TCU, TCU, what what do they want to do? Get to the rim, get to the rim, get to the rim. Oklahoma State still is an elite defense in the interior. So I think there'll be some opportunities about Oklahoma State. Greg, anything you want to add uh, on anything in the Big 12? No, my only fear with Oklahoma State, I, I like your angle on them. My only fear is that when they lose, they tend to lose huge, right? Like the margins yeah. are just, they get ran out of the gym. Now, like Baylor overtime at home. Solid performance on the road against Kansas State. Uh, I have fears about how good Kansas State actually is, but you know they they can hang in close games. It's just like up and down the rest of the list this season has been blowout loss, blowout loss. So uh, their offense is so limited that like if a team is on, they just can't keep up. Yeah, hundred percent. Which scares me in the TCU matchup because I agree it's a spot where I almost, depending on the number, would star Oklahoma state on paper, but you know, TCU plays fast. I think they have better offensive players at pretty much every position. It's one of those games where, okay, maybe the possessions start going up, up, up. And uh, it, it concerns me. I'm staying away for the record from both of those teams until I can get another week's worth of data. Yeah. I was hoping that uh, TCU came back and uh, beat Iowa state for the spot on Oklahoma state, but we'll see where that opens. But speaking of which let's get to, uh, the spots for the early week, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, you can go tonight, tomorrow night, just what you have circled, what you're looking at. Mike, I'll throw it to you first. What do you got? I was trying to look up the pronunciation of Itabina, Mississippi. I believe that's correct because I am on the Delta Devils here on Monday. They're getting six and a half against Florida AM. They're six and 12 against the spread, 0 and 18 straight up on the season. I throw so... it to you for early week spots, and this is where you go the 0 and 18 yes. Delta Devils. This is the <laughs> first thing that you had to get out. Listen, a little, it little is swashing, a little swaction. All right, I, I respect it. Go ahead. I've been sitting on the sideline with swaction this entire podcast season, so I, at some point I had to hit it up. It's just, ex- it's just exploding out. You're like, I, could, I can't hold it in anymore. <laughs> First thing you're going to notice when you watch these teams play are really any swag teams. It looks like they're shooting medicine balls from the perimeter. No one can shoot three pointers. It is incredible how poor for a conference that these guys shoot. But both of these teams can't get stops at all. They can't stop anyone from getting to the hoop. They can't stop anybody from finishing. Both are in the bottom 15 in every major defensive shooting metric. So when I look at that, I view this more as like a one possession game. So to get above two possessions, I think is advantageous. The Delta Devils also played pretty well at home. They almost beat Alabama State, which was, you know, the class of the SWAC at this point. They nearly upset them. They were actually up with 11 seconds to go in that game. And the final piece is you figure a team that's 0-18, 6-12, they're a rudderless ship. They have no one to go to with the basketball. It's actually not true with Mississippi Valley State. Raekwon Brown has been taken over, kind of like surprisingly, when you look at the box score of the last four games, he's gone for 24-10 and 10 as an average. So I think he's the best player on the floor, and I'm just going to go ahead and take the points. I'm not sure if this is the spot where they get off the schneid and they get their one win of the season. It's them and Detroit Mercy in this pillow fight to get their, their first win. But I think the points are just too much to pass up. So I'll go with uh, the Delta Devils. 
Nothing like the Delta Devils. The 0-18 Delta Devils have played pretty well at home. They don't have a win, but they put pretty well. They almost Hey, hey, listen, game. when you almost beat the best team in your conference, and and honestly, like, it wasn't even a game where they just got crazy three-point variants. They actually played pretty good on defense. But, yes, sometimes in gambling, you have to have strange bedfellows, and this is one of them. So uh, I'm hoping that I can't make the case with a straight face anymore because uh, I even started off the podcast saying I can't beat North Carolina. Every time I bet against them, they're gonna they cover. I'm betting against them tonight. I hope Greg can make the case. I'm I'm gonna throw it to him because I literally I can't. I don't have any credibility left. I'm going. I'm about to put it. I'm about to bet it. I'm about to put it in the app, and then I'm gonna put my phone on Do Not Disturb and throw my phone uh, in the corner of the room and go back to it in six hours because I can't. People are gonna say, "What are we doing?" And I will have no answer to them. But hopefully, I can just direct them to Greg here. Greg, are you agreeing with me? Doc, I'm so glad you went there. It's my one play for Monday, my friend. They say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Fine. I'm insane. insane. I don't care. I'm insane. I've faded this Carolina team over and over again. There's going to be a moment this season it comes crashing down, and when it comes crashing down, I will be on the right side of history. I love this Carolina team. I think they're really good. The biggest reason why you should take Wake Forest tonight to cover eight and a half points against the Tar Heels is they're a great three-point shooting team. And North Carolina, the number one thing on their resume right now that you circle of why have they won so many games by so many points over and over again is the teams can't make a shot from outside against them. Some it's of not that- a team that just completely denies and uh, takes away the three. No, it's not. Like, they are middle of the pack in preventing attempts from three. They just never go in. I think there's been three games this entire season that opponents have cracked 40% against them from three, and it's been like the cupcake opponents. Uh, Look, Wake Forest is awesome. They're 12th in the country in shooting from beyond the arc. Uh, Like I said, Monsanto's back. He's a stud, but every guy in this rotation is a high volume shooter that shoots 38% or higher from three. Like their entire team is threats from outside. They surround a center with four guys at all times that can shoot. That's going to be a difficult matchup for a Carolina team that is due for some three point shooting regression, eight and a half, a ton of points. I'm just going to trust the number. And if I look stupid at the end of the day, stuck, so be it. I'm going down on this hill. Yeah, well now uh I'm not betting I'm not betting on Wake Forest. I'm not fading North Carolina. I am just trusting in my <laughs> fellow podcast co-host, Greg. And so any questions, complaints, depending on the outcome of this game, direct them to Greg. I, I have no responsibility for this, but I am with you. Uh Mike, are you joining us? Uh, I'm not joining you on that one. I'm oh, getting out of the way of the North Carolina freight train. What do you got? Yeah. Anything else? You got no, I, I, I got other plays. I, I don't. It's not just all swaction for me. Um, <laughs> Tuesday, I like St. Joe's money line over UMass, and it's pretty simple. You know, UMass struggles to defend the three point line, and their big advantage in this game, they're 12th nationally in offensive rebounding percentage. St. Joe's is a mediocre defensive rebounding team, but Matt Cross is still listed as questionable with his ankle injury. If he's out, that means St. Joe's can play four guards more comfortably instead of extended minutes for Chris Isendoko. And if that's the case, I think you're going to see the St. Joe's team that's played very, very well on the road this year. They buried Nova by 13 on the road. They took Kentucky to overtime in Lexington. They were within two of Charleston on the road as well. They should have had a win against St. Louis. It was a big time melt, but they were up by 20 points in that game. They're a 
three-point high variance team. I see this as either them winning by 10 or losing by 10 because they're going to take 30 triples in this one. They're six nationally, three-point attempts per game. And Reynolds, the second, is he's due. He's had two quiet games, not in terms of his efficiency. He just hasn't taken that many shots. He's taken nine shots in the last two games. I think he's firing close to 20 in this one and goes for 20, 25 points against the, the Minutemen. So I'll go ahead and take St. Joe's money line. Mike took the weekend. He said, you know what? My brand, I need to strengthen it, make sure that it's strong, and I need to get back to my roots. A little A10 and Swaction, uh, strengthening that brand. Greg, anything else for tonight or tomorrow that you're looking at? Yeah, speaking of strengthening your brand, I have to give a Big Ten pick here, boys. I'm going to a play on Tuesday night. I'm looking at Nebraska at home against Ohio State. Nebraska ball, two-point favorites according to Ken Palm. If this opens Nebraska minus two, two and a half, maybe up to minus three, three and a half. I like that number. I wouldn't go above four, but home and away splits have been huge in this conference. It's absurd. I think they've been huge in college basketball as a whole, but the big 10 is like staggering what these numbers are. Ohio state's and three outright in away games this year. If you go back to last year when they were miserable, but it's the Bruce Thornton led Buckeyes team, they're one in 13 on the road with Bruce Thornton starting at point guard. And I know it's, it's hard to put that all on him, but everybody in this locker room doesn't know how, to win games in this conference on the road. They're just not used to it. Nebraska's 4-0 at home this year in conference play, and those wins have not been cupcake wins. They beat Purdue at home. They beat Michigan State at home. The guys on Ohio State right now that scare me are the backcourt. Roddy Gale has just fallen off a cliff. He's shooting 34% from the floor in conference play, just 23% from three. Thornton's numbers are down as well. He's 24% from three in conference play. These guys were studs in the non-conference, and they look to have really, really hit a wall. Nebraska, the big question is Jawan Gary. Uh, He's not going to play in this game. He had a big injury in the Rutgers game. Without him at home against Northwestern over the weekend, they honestly looked pretty good. They controlled that game, even survived a big Northwestern run late to win by six. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that with Gary's injury, maybe we actually get a little love on the line. Maybe we get an extra point we wouldn't get, but I'm circling Nebraska. I like them up to minus four if needed. Yeah, like the look. I already mentioned Oklahoma State earlier. Stay tuned in the app. They can defend the rim. You need to do that against TCU. I'm going to see if we get an overinflated number. Mike, any brand strengthening looks you want to get in? Anything else or was that the two you had? All right. So I, I've kind of gone in the mid-major bucket. Let me pull out a top 25 matchup here. You guys tell me if I'm going in the right direction here. Houston land five at BYU. I'd love to get four. You know, the fact of the matter is we're getting a discount because they lose at Hilton, which I, I think is totally forgivable, but they lose by four on the road at Iowa State. They lose against TCU by one. I think that they're undervalued because when you look at what they do well, they're first nationally in turnover margin at plus 7.7 per game. So they turn you over, they take care of the basketball, they're lead on the offensive glass, second there. And according to Evan Maya and his famed kill shot metric, this is the most electric team in terms of turning on those big runs and rarely giving them up. Like when you look at the little mathematical formula that he has set up, they're all the way in the corner where you want to be, which is they're absolutely running floor teams off the floor with those double digit runs. And BYU just gave up a 15-point lead against Texas Tech. So they're certainly susceptible of that, even if they were to get hot early in this game. I don't think Houston's ever going to be out of it. And additionally, I think the Marriott Center, when you look at their their history, 
60% covering on their home floor against the spread in the last five years, four and one as a home dog against the spread since 2020. But now they're, they're, you know, with the big fish here in the big 12, a lot of those games were in the, the West coast conference. And I think there's just going to be issues for them living and dying with the three point line against a Houston team that is elite at defending the perimeter. Their eighth and three point percentage allowed at sub 28%. And it's not just luck. It's because they're always challenging. They're never giving wide open looks. So I would love to get four. I'd play it up to five and a half. What are your guys thoughts on the Cougs on the road? Actually Cougar on Cougar matchup here. Yeah. I'm curious to get Greg your thoughts because I mean, BYU is still an analytical darling. They blew out a lot of teams early in the year. They're, what, three of their last five lost at home to Cincy, lost by nine at Baylor, lost by seven at Texas Tech, and then they have a home win against Iowa State and a road win against UCF and was a close game. Are we finding out that they're frauds? Are they not? Are they somewhere in the middle? I don't think anyone would say they're one of the you know eight to ten best teams in the country. Greg, do you have any thoughts on the Cougars? Yeah, I be completely honest with you guys. They're one of those teams that's really polarizing because at their best, like they look dominant and the the metrics love that they get is backed up by the eye test. And then at their worst, it's like, huh? Like, <laughs> how is this team 10th on Ken Palm still? And yeah. I think we've seen both swings of that just in the month of January, right? Since Big 12 play started. It's like you lose by 11 at home to Cincinnati. Okay, that's gross. And then you blow out Iowa State by 15, hang 87 on one of the best defenses in the country. Um, I, I think Houston is a significantly better basketball team, but I'd be lying to you guys if I said it's not backed up by much more than the eye test. Like all the analytics stuff that I love that I bake into how, how I bet every single day tells me that BYU is a great value play more often than not, uh, especially if they're catching points at home. But I, I can't get over what my eyes tell me, guys. I just don't trust this team against the top talent teams in this conference. Iowa State, like I said, is their best win. I, don't get me wrong. Iowa State's a good basketball team. They're not the most talented team, even though they're a team the metrics really like that has a great defense. I think BYU will struggle against the teams like a Houston, like a Kansas, uh, like a Baylor, who they already lost to, who just have more athletic, more talented guys. And that's sort of where my initial feel is. But I wouldn't be upset at you for being on either side of this one. Yeah, I, and I guess we we – we, we didn't even talk about, we did the Big 12 buy sell. You just mentioned Kansas. I guess we'll end here. Uh, Kansas, look, it was a West Virginia, amazing home court advantage. They were up for that game. They won, but I, you know Kansas lost to UCF, West Virginia, two of their last four games. I I don't see it with this team. Yeah, I don't, I think as far as a national title contender, we talked about this before, they don't have the secondary scoring. Um, can you... Mike, do you, Mike, could, could either of you make a case for seeing this team win at all other than, you know, Bill Self is amazing? I mean, I'll frame it like this. I would rather bet them to lose in the first weekend than to win the national title. Even I'd even extend that further. I'd love to get, you know, plus money on them going out in the first weekend as opposed to even making the final four. Because I agree against elite teams where you have to score and they're trying to put the shackles on Dickinson. That's putting too much pressure on McCullers on the perimeter. Like nobody else is stepping up. And now the sample size keeps getting bigger one game at a time as we move down, you know, the road this season. No one's stepping up. So, yeah, I I'm this is probably as low as I've been on the Jayhawks in a really long time you know I rode them when they won the national title recently so I'm not a hater on KU but this year this team I just don't think they have the roster composition if anyone gets hurt like one of their like they're done but uh Greg what do you got 
here's the case for it. I agree with everything you guys said, and I've been on the side of everything you've said for about a month now. The case for it is that Johnny Furphy is taking the step forward. Now, they need like three more Johnny Furphys to step forward to really like him. But he looks a lot better than he did the first month of the season right now. In the loss to West Virginia, 13 points. He got nine three-point attempts up in 31 minutes. That's honestly the number I care most about. Chipped in seven rebounds, three assists, zero turnovers. If he can make that a more consistent thing, I, I do believe in his talent as a 6'9 freshman that a lot of people liked as a late ad. But, uh, yeah, the bench is gross right now. Marco Jackson's been moved back to the bench. Uh, Nick Timberlake, he was two for five from three, but he's going to do that about once every five games. It's seems right now um the only thing i would say is i think it almost feels like the public is too aware that kansas is a fade right now yeah. and yeah. that almost makes me want to flip back on bill Self's side right does it, it's more fun to fade if we're being the sharps on kansas than it is if everyone's aware that you should be fading them yeah yeah this could be you know your buy low point i thought someone was going to actually bring up kansas but you're right uh for pete they if they had like just now, if he continues to play the way he does, and they got to find at least one other guy to help in the secondary scoring department, especially when you go up against elite defenses, because you can just say, all right, this is who we're going to take away. Other people have to step up when you're playing like the Houston's, the Ohio State. So we'll see if that uh, the rest of that secondary scoring, they can just find some bench. You have to, you, know, you have to at least give self the benefit of the doubt that he's going to find some answers. But uh, as of now, it's hard to see them being a national title uh, contender as far as their ceiling is concerned but that'll do it for us good good stuff gentlemen hope everyone enjoyed the episode as always three man we will be back on wednesday myself mike calabrese mike grant will be back thursday night with the weekend betting preview make sure you subscribe unsubscribe subscribe tell a friend tell an enemy know the drill leave five star review those really help us out i will do promise i said in the next couple weeks i'll do giveaways later in the week so leave a five star review uh, it doesn't matter what you say. We'll do giveaways, send you guys gear. So I appreciate that. But thanks to Greg and Mike, as always, for joining me. Thanks to our producer, David, on the back end. Most importantly, thanks to all of you for tuning in. Good luck on all of your wagers early in the week. And remember, it's not my fault if UNC covers. It's Greg's. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And we will see you later in the week. Cheers. Go Deeks. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.